Welcome to Church 213. We pray that the message today is a clear picture of who Christ wants to be in your life. We trust God for a miracle in the next few minutes. Thanks for listening. I really feel like this year did for us. Is it just solidified, man, how, how fragile life is? You know? How important family time is. I became superintendent and principal of White Institute of Higher Learning overnight. We had a lot of family time. You've had a lot of family time. And um, last year made us consider some things. For us as a family and, you know, in, in a church family, we had to consider things. Consider things like, was our worship, was it, was it real? Or was it just this routine? Was was our faith mature enough to kind of endure through some hardships? Was our worship tied to Christ alone? And we saw this everywhere. Was our worship tied in Christ alone or just to a building that we hang our faith on? And, uh, and we had some long conversations, not only in staff meeting, but, but you know, with my social secretary, Miss Debbie, you know, at the house. What does this mean? What do we do? What does this mean for us? Where do we go from here? Let's just sit and let's just soak in this. And really what I, what I did was and what we decided, not only in my house, but in this house, this church house, is last year was a year of exposure. I mean, there were some lights put on some people. Amen? It was, a, it was a year of exposure. And what God was doing, I feel like, is he was exposing our hearts so that he might do a new thing. Amen? And so um, that brings me to, uh, to a scripture um, in Isaiah that basically says that God is getting ready to do a new work. God is getting ready to do a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19 says that God is getting ready to do a new work. He's getting ready to bring some things out of the old into the new. And this is not our text, but I just want to kick off with this because... That's kind of where we are. Isaiah 43, 19 says this right here. It says, look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a, a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. That's newness right there. And I feel like 2021 was an exposition of newness. And I don't know if you've realized it yet, but there's kind of a new thing going on here at Church 213. Okay, last, last year, last month, last week was, was so special. Um, talked to Pastor Stan yesterday and I'm like, hey, you want to swing by in the morning and help me unlock? <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, no. Uh, he said, I think we're going to get out of town. Um, Walked in his office this week and all the keys are there. It was emotional. The sticky note, this key goes to this. Sticky note, this key goes to this. And he's a methodical, haven't figured it out, he's a methodical type guy. But the last key was, was, has a GM on the back, stands for Grand Master Key. And it was on a sticky note and it said, pal, it's all yours. Love you, bro, Pastor Stan. And so... Uh, there's a new thing. There's a new thing going on. And, and I'm excited. I'm excited that God has called us here, Church 213. I'm humbled to be called by God to lead you guys because you're a special group of Jesus-loving, hard-working, big-hearted people that make up this faith family. And I do believe that with our hands lifted high, and I love to see your hands lifted high because it's a posture of surrender. With your hands lifted high and our hearts united. Y'all, our best days are ahead. Because we're rooted and grounded in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our best days are ahead. But this church is only as powerful as the purity of its worshipers. And so that's the challenge. It's my desire as your pastor, first, to be the best follower I can be. Because we're all poor beggars looking for the bread of life, <laughs> really, at the end of the day. And as I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, I want to take as many people down that narrow path as possible. Who's with me? That's a good chance right there. I teed it up, baby. That was it. That was like that softball right there in your wheelhouse. That's, 
That's my heart. And I want to be clear, though. My responsibility as your pastor is to take this word and to use it to encourage you, to comfort you, to uh, equip you, to teach you, and to rebuke you. And and that's hard. It's hard preaching. Basically, I'll say it like this. I promise that in the valleys, I'm going to hold your hand. And I promise that in those waters, I'm going to hold your nose. And I promise in these seats right here, I'm going to step on your toes. (laughs) So you be ready. You be ready. Because that's what I'm committed to do. And so uh, we love you guys. You know, Debbie and I and our family, our kids love it here. I don't know if you realize it, but being a PK, a preacher's kid, it's a tough gig. It is. Um, You're the first to arrive. You're the last to leave. But you're loved by many. And, but we, we, find it, we find it a humbling opportunity because our theme verse, and you should memorize it. If you don't, memorize it if you're a part of this, this partnership in ministry, is Philippians 2.13. We're Church 2.13 on Highway 2.13 with a theme verse of Philippians 2.13. So that's kind of important. It says, for is God working in us to both will and act according to his good purposes. That's what you just saw through baptism with, with Timon. Timon. That's what I want. That's what gets me up in the morning. That I have just a small opportunity to start something new based on God's word in our hearts. Amen. Y'all with me? You with me? Say uh huh. So as we jump into 2021, we're going to jump into a brand new series. Saw it right there. So the new series is this: Be the one in 2021. So for the next 10 weeks, <gasps> it's going to go by quick. I promise. For the next 10 weeks, y'all, I want you to lock in every Sunday. Be present. It's hard to be something if you're not present first. Be present. I want you to commit being here. And not just being here, but being all in. I want you to commit to being moldable and available in God's presence. Be ready for God to do something. If you're not walking in here expecting God to do something, man, you have really the wrong posture. Be ready. Be ready to come in here and get down with your bad self because of what God has done in your life all week. You know, it doesn't really start here. It ends here. It's a good way to look at it. It ends right here. We, as as your staff, as your leadership, we can set a table, and that is our desire, to set a table full, but you've got to bring the appetite. You've got to be willing to say, not only am I bringing an appetite, but, but I'm bringing my chair. And listen, I'm going to slide up under the table of the Lord, and I'm going to feast. Feast, feast. And they feasted and feasted on the roasted beef. That's something out of the Grinch. Feast! Come on. I want your heart to grow three sizes bigger than it is right now. Everybody in Whoville loved Christmas a lot, except for the Who, who did not. We like that story. I want you to bring your appetite and get ready to feast. And I want you to be a bringer, y'all. I want you to be a bringer. Bring somebody with you. Here's a question for you. When's the last time you invited someone to church for the first time? If not, there are people you know. Just a simple, hey, come to worship with me. It's a, it's a, it's a new thing. It's a new day. We're starting a new series with a, with, you know, with a new pastor. Be the one in 2021. And so, as Christians, we are an essential business. Amen? It's essential. It's essential because Jesus is essential. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life found in Christ Jesus. Which means, we're not me, I'm not going to back up. I'm certainly not going to close up. I'm not going to shut up. Because the gospel is essential. Because without the gospel, people will not be reconciled to a holy God. And they will be separated from him forever. That is an essential story to tell. And we're going to have the opportunity to do that. Often. And with as many, as many people as possible. That reminds me of the, um, the old hymn. About having that story to tell. It goes like this. I love to tell the story. Of unthings seen above, of Jesus and his glory, 
of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. Nod your head if you've heard this before. I love to tell the story. It'll be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. So we're essential. This word is essential because it is the only thing that brings new life. So as we begin this series, we're going to start with this sermon in a sentence. It's on the top of your sermon guide. This will be the big idea. This is what you'll see on Facebook. This is what you'll see on Happening. This is what you'll see on email constant contacts. This is the thing to sit in and to marinate. This is the thing that when I text you on Thursday of this upcoming week and say, hey, what was the big idea from Sunday? You'll get it and you'll get a gold star. This is it. Be the one in 2021 who starts something new. Be the one that starts something new. You've already read about that in Isaiah. God is in the business of starting a new work in his children. And I want to see that. I want to see that here. I want to see you be a bringer. I want to see you, you know, like, like Tamun said, I want to see you be the one that takes what Jesus has done and just lavish that on somebody else. You know what? Even when you don't feel like that you measure up to it, even when you have those hard days, even when there's a struggle, be the one in 21 that starts something new. I want God to work in us. I want God to mold you. I want God to shape you. I want God to chisel you. Listen, when you chisel something, that means things have to fall away. But it's for your good and for his glory. And I want God to forge a new work right here. To forge something in us brand new. I'm looking at you. Because God sees you. and God wants something new to happen. Be the one in 2021 who what? Starts something new. Come on. Be the one in 2021 who what? Starts something new. That's the theme. Have your phones on Thursday because it's coming. Really what I'm saying is God wants to bring you out of a rut. A rut that you're in. You know what a rut is, right? It's a grave with two ends knocked out. That's what a rut is. And God wants to get, get, get you out of those areas in your life by being the one in 2021 that starts something new. But with application, how does that happen? New day, new place, maybe a new seat. You know, there are no assigned seats. But we are creatures of habit. Why is it when you go on to, you know, to a familiar restaurant, you naturally go to the same booth or the same table? Why is it when you sit down at home, you naturally go to the same spot at your kitchen table? We don't have assigned seats, but we sit in the same place every, every time. Why is it? Why is it when you get groceries and you put the condiments in the refrigerator, you know, you, you automatically put the same things in the same places? When you go looking for it, you're like, who moved the ketchup? Why, why is that? It's because our nature is that to be stuck in a rut. And so what we've got to do is have an attitude and an appetite for God to do something new. But how do we do it? Well, first I want to start in Romans chapter 1. And if you would, if you have your copy of God's Word and you were able, stand with me as we open up, as we pray over, and give this Word the authority that it needs, as well as the other scriptures that we'll read today. I know what some of you are thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into? Romans chapter 1 says this, Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. Including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. 
to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is laying out some credentials. So let us pray. God, we thank you for another chance to experience your grace and your goodness. God, we thank you that your word says that your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, this Sunday in this house with this faith family that you have assembled here by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God, we root ourselves in those things knowing that today we have another chance to get it right. God, I pray for this year. God, I pray that the things that were exposed in our hearts last year Lord, that we would use those as a chiseling, defining, exposing moment. And we wouldn't look back. But we would use what we see to make us better going forward. Because you alone are worthy. We thank you for Jesus. There's power in his name. And so God, your spirit, God, move in here. Move us this morning to be different makers. Move us to to rearrange our identity, Lord, this morning, that in 2021 we can be the one. Because of you working in us for your good purposes, that we can start something new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. As a kid, I spent a lot of time at my dad's gas station. And... um, I love it when my dad's here, and he's here this morning. Hey, Judetti. And uh, I spent so much time there in the summers. Uh, his name is Barry. They would call me Little Barry. And, uh, and it, was, it was a fun place. It was a fun place to grow up. Um, you know, you, you build friendship with the customers, and they become like family. And um, it was a neat place. I get it. It was fun. But I'm going to be honest with you. It was sketchy. It could be sketchy. I actually got kidnapped one time. No joke. They brought me back. But that just like lets you know. <laughs> I'm telling you. Nobody's seen the trouble I've been. <laughs> they brought me back. But the point is, other than stuff like that, it was fun. And, um, and there are a lot of things that I heard that I cannot repeat. But there are a few things that I would hear that, that I can repeat. And some of the, one of those things... It, I still talk about and say in my house today, and it's this. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. I don't say that to Debbie. I'm just, okay. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Come on, on three, y'all say that. One, two, three. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. All right, you've heard it before. You have. And I don't know if you realize it, but that is theologically profound. (laughs) It really is. It's there. That can be life-changing. Because if you fail to start something, there can be nothing. Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. And in the opening verses right here, what we're seeing is the Apostle Paul wasn't the type of guy to, 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 to shy away from start, starting something new. He knew the personally, he knew personally the voice of Jesus can recalculate your route with a legal Spiritual U-turn. In the opening verses to the letter to the Romans, Paul is introducing himself. We just read it. He's introducing himself to the believers in Rome by laying out his credentials, his resume. You know, he's, he's laying it out there. Because he wanted them to know that he had the authority to send such an impactful and challenging message to these Christians by explaining that he himself was a product of a new work. And so to be the one in 2021 who starts something new, there's some things that we have to do. One we're going to see in Romans, and the other two we're going to see in Acts chapter 16. But the first thing that we have to do to start something new, and this is on your sermon guide, and if you don't pick those up, I encourage you to, because this will help you pass the test when I text you on Thursday. Pick those up. And our ushers do a great job, and they hand those out as you come in the doors. But the first thing is this. You have to start something new with your will. Number one, with your will. See, Paul plainly lays out right here that 
he no longer has a grip on his life. He's like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, he's not even driving with his knees. He is, he's out of control. His life is out of his control and it's in the control of the one that really we should put our lives in because he has control. He knows all things. He created all things. And Colossians 1.16 says, In him all things are what? Held together. So rest this morning. You feel like life is spinning out of control? It's not. We just can't see around the corner. We can't see behind the curtain. But I'm going to tell you, we serve a God that is already there. Wanting us to put our hands in his hands. Because he's got this. And so, Paul has no interest in making life about him. He has no interest in making life about his needs and about his wants. Because he's already tried that. He's already tried that. And you know where that led him? With a stone in his hand trying to crush the skull of a believer before he was converted. That's where, that's where his life in his own hands had led him. With a stone in his hand. But Paul 2.0 is now a servant of Jesus. And servant right here in this context just means slave. Your translations may say bond servant or bond slave. And, and the reason that context is so important, it's like real estate, okay, location, location, location. When you're trying to dig out the truth of God's word, you got to get context, context, context. It's because this Greek word for slave in this letter to these Christians in Rome paints a clear picture of this new work. Because slave meant realignment. God had made over his personal will. And the Romans would so get the language of slave of Jesus. They would get that because in the Roman Empire there were over 60 million slaves. And a slave in first century was looked at as a completely independent tool by submission that was used by the owner. So when you get the word slave here, you see what Paul is saying. He's like, I am a slave of Jesus. I am now a completely independent tool through submission to my owner, the Lord Jesus. Because when Paul experienced the resurrected Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, he surrendered the will of his life for that of the will of the Lord's. It was total surrender. And so in loving devotion, from that moment on, Paul had enslaved himself to Christ to be a servant and to obey his will. And in the morning, I want to be the kind of daddy, the kind of pastor, the kind of leader, the kind of man that when my feet hit the floor, the devil's like, oh, snap, he's up. Only because, not because of me, but because my life has been enslaved to that of Jesus. And Jesus Scares the devil. That's it. Because you on your own, please, child's play. You've got to realize who we're dealing with here. The enemy. The prince of this world. And so the only thing that makes him fear is the name of Jesus. The reason that First Peter says that he's roaring like a lion and not biting you is because at the cross, Jesus knocked his teeth out. So all he can do is just make a bunch of noise. My house, we call it racket. That's all he can do. And so Paul is this loving, devoted, and from that moment on, his will was changed. He was a saved man. He was a saved man, and guess what? People could tell. People could tell because he walked a little different. He talked a little different. He, he, uh, he was changed. His want-tos changed. You know, people say, you know, I just, I just can't break these bad habits. Well, the, the way to break an unhealthy and unholy habit is to change your appetite. To change your want-to. Because you do the things that you want to do. So if the power of God changed your want-to, you don't want to do those things anymore. Because you've had a change of heart. I don't know why it is, but I don't remember which kid it was um, that Debbie was pregnant with. All these children, by the way, were her idea. But I craved Pizza Hut. Which one was it? Was it Emma? I thought it was Sadie. Sadie snuck up on us. <laughs> Maybe it was Emma. 
But when she was pregnant with Emma, I craved Pizza Hut. I can't stand Pizza Hut now. But then I could eat it every day. So I'm like, hey, what are we doing for lunch? She's like, anything but Pizza Hut. I'm like, I'm craving Pizza Hut. But my want-to's changed. And I don't, maybe we're just, you know, two become one flesh. Maybe that was a manifestation of that. But in that moment, my want-to's changed. And I didn't want anything else. My, 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 uh, my glands and my mouth, they would only salivate when I thought about Pizza Hut. Why is that? Now think about something that you really want, you really like to eat. Why is it? It's kind of, you know, you can makes your mouth water. Why is that? It's because your want-to's changed at a deep level. And so, this is on your notes. If you want to hear God's voice in a new way this year, you must have the will to be God's slave because a slave always listens to his master. A slave always listens to his master. That's where Paul was. Paul had put a stake in the ground. He had drawn a line in the sand that the same power that brought Jesus from the grave and the same power that called the dead to awake, he was going to surrender to that every day. Because that's all we have is today. Nine out of ten things we worry about never happen. Today I'm going to be a slave. He would surrender to it and he would follow God's life for his will no matter the direction that it took. And every day Paul was prepared to merge his life with that of the Lord. I want you to think about the word merge. You know, if you're going to get on the interstate, at some point you're going to get on a, uh, um, an access road and then you're going to get on the access point the on ramp now if you're like me when I get on the exit on ramp and I'm about to get onto the interstate I'm looking to my left the reason that I'm looking to my left is because this traffic in this lane right here it's not slowing down for me it's not their responsibility to slow down so I can join what they're doing the quickest way to get where they're going is to stay that same speed in that direction right so what I have to do is I have to rearrange my acceleration. I have to yield to what's going on in that lane in order for me to get in with the program. And there are times where that truck or whatever, they, they don't get over. Well, I just can't swerve into that lane. They're going 80. I'm going 18. Okay, that doesn't comp compute. Bad. Okay, that's a bad day right there. So what do I do? There have been times where I have scared the life out of my family because I've had to continue to ride in the, in the emergency lane until I can work my way in. Y'all with me? So God is going somewhere. He is the main lane. And He wants to merge our life with His program. He's not trying to stop what He's doing so we can get in line. He's on the move. It's our responsibility to get in line. If not, that's backwards. And you're not going anywhere. And you're going to end up on the side of life. You can't ride on the margin very long until you end up in the ditch. So every day, to start something new with your wheels, like, hey, God, help me today to merge my life with your will. And Paul was there. Paul was content with being set apart. Because until you are content with the new identity of being set aside for the work of Christ, you'll struggle. You'll struggle to have confidence in your abilities if you fail to merge your abilities with his life. And it goes a little deeper. You'll fade away in, in the, the heart of hard seasons. You'll fade away right there in life because your purpose in life is grounded in shallow soil. He, the Bible says, Psalms 1 is like being, the one that follows the Lord is like being planted by streams of living what? Water. Living water. And so if you fail to merge your life daily, you're going to live in shallow soil. And when the storms come, you'll wilt and you're anxious and you're afraid. And so with a slave mentality and a heart of surrender, Paul puts his life in God's hands. He's like, here it is. Mold it. Shape it. And it's clear what 
Paul is, is doing. He, he is expected to be a Christ follower. A Christ follower who is primed with passionate expectations with the will to start something new. That's what God is in, in your life every day. Today, his goal is to start something new in you. A little different than what you were yesterday. And I'm going to tell you, that hurts. Nobody likes that. You know, we have a tradition at our house, when somebody makes the birthday turn, they get birthday spankings. And so, little Sadie is all about birthday spankings. I mean, she, was, she, had, she was the first one in line with the belt when it was my turn, because there was a lot of spankings coming. There was a lot of licks. She's born the day after Christmas. So a couple of days before that, she was already thinking about those birthday spankings. I said, well, you know, the, the morning of, I said, hey, don't forget. Got nine licks coming. Daddy gets the last one. I'm going to get you back for what you did to me. And she kept putting it off, and she kept putting it off, and she kept putting it off. But what those licks represent is she's making a turn to something new. Point is this. Sometimes you feel like, you know what, you don't want those lickings from the Lord, but it's for our good and for his glory because his purpose is to will and act for his good purposes in us, to work in us. And so the newness right there that Paul is talking about as being a slave and in this apostle position is that God was getting ready for Paul to be set apart to take the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. Look at verse 5. It says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles, including you who were also called to Jesus. Paul is saying, I know what God's getting ready to do. He's summing it up. He's summing it up. And, and, and a little later in verse 1, and in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans kind of hinges right here. This is a big one. Write it on your note card. Memorize it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just at, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so he's primed and he's ready because of his will. And so to be the one in 2021, you have to start something new in your will. Paul surrendered his will and that took him exactly to where God was leading. You get it? Because he had surrendered his will, God was able to take him where he wanted it. See, God can't take you on a ride of faith unless you have your stuff together ready to go. How many times do we say this to, to our kids? Get your stuff. Let's go. God is looking at us in 2021. He's like, hey, get your stuff. Let's go. I'm going somewhere. I'm ready to take you with me. That's what we see in Acts 16. So Romans 1 takes us to Acts 16. So if you would, let's turn to Acts 16. You can go to the left a few pages. Y'all still with me? Say, I am. Acts 16, starting in verse 1. Acts 16, verse 1 says, Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. And Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. He wanted him to be blameless. He didn't want him to be a stumbling block with the message. Since all of them knew that his father was Greek, and as they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem 
for the people to observe. Because So the apostles are trying to get their act together. Those creeds. What do we believe? We're going to the world. We've got to know what we believe. We've got to have our stuff ready because God's ready to take us somewhere. That's what happened in Jerusalem. So the church and the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily. And they went through the regions of Phrygia and Galatia. And they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the words in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so here's what's going on. Let's dig it in. Here's what's going on. There's something that, that God was doing new in 34 AD at Paul's conversion. And what happened in 34 AD had led him 16 years later to this moment right here in Acts 16. And so Paul was about to make his way with the message of salvation in Christ alone, through faith alone, into Europe. Think about door-to-door evangelism. This was continent-to-continent evangelism. That's, that's pretty impressive right there. That's neat. And Paul didn't know that he was going to Asia until God showed up. I didn't know we were coming here until God showed up. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in your will for God's glory until God shows up. And when God shows up in our life, what we have to do is like, all right, Captain of the Lord's armies, Let's roll. I'm here. But up to this point, Paul had been in the region of South Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, which is the western tip of Asia. So that's kind of where we are right there. And it was during the first missionary trip through that region in 47 A.D. Okay, so this is not, this is in between the two. This is his second journey. In 47 A.D., that the churches in that region were started. And he, he calls them out. Derby. Lystra, Iconium, oh, those are just the pockets, pockets of churches that he, that he helped start. And so here in 16, Paul and his travel buddy Silas, they planned to go north, this time on foot, and they were going to double back and revisit those churches as they came back through in the reverse order. On the first trip, Derby, Lystra, and Iconium, kind of like a checkup type mission. That's what's going on. Road trip. So at Lystra... As they were circling their way back, they run up on this guy that they had converted the first time around named Timothy. Greek blood but Jewish heritage. And old Tim's salvation dated back to the first trip that Paul made in Lystra. And so this time they picked him up and they brought him along. Now they've got themselves an entourage. They got a crew. They're not rolling with their homies now, you know. Fireworks going off in the background. They got the Detroit truck going on. You know, they've got, they've got some people that they're working with. And it's right here that the Bible comes to life and invades our lives. Because it was at this pivotal moment that Paul surrendered his life to God's will again. And he started something new. And that new thing that he started affects us right here. Because he stepped with the gospel into Europe. And the gospel spread a little further to the west. And guess what? It jumped the pond. And then it ended, and it started on the East Coast, and it worked its way down to the Southeastern Conference, okay? And then it made its way into Georgia, and it made its way into Covington, and it has made its way to us right here. Acts 16 is where it started. Isn't that cool? Come on, if you're with me, say, "Uh uh-huh. I mean, we are a product of a surrendered will for the purpose of Christ right here in Acts 16. I think it's neat. Acts 16 is our story. So let's look at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. That's just that region, that eastern tip European region. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia. We, he's saying we, that's Luke, okay? He's the writer here. 
you got the entourage, you got Luke, you've got Timothy, you've got Paul, you've got Silas. It says, we, Paul saw this vision, and as soon as we saw the vision, we went. We set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11, so from Troas, we put out to the sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. The next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. On the Sabbath day, we went out to the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to a woman gathered there, a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. So here's the thing. Can you imagine being the first person on a continent to be a Christian? I mean, forget being first in line at Walmart. That's life-changing. can be if it's a long line. I'm talking about the first person to be a converted on a continent. Forget being the first house in a subdivision. First person on a continent, a continent like Europe. So to be the one in 2021 who starts something new, Lydia shows us two things. Not only do you have to start something new in your will, Paul has done that, but you have to start something new in your heart. You need to be prepared to start something new in your heart. Look at verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. See, Paul and his friends, they just when they got off that ship in Neapolis, worked their way to Philippi, they just didn't jump off the ship and start banging on doors. Even though God had called them there, they needed to rest, and they needed to pray, and they needed to make plans. And they understood the, ma- the, the value of margin and pace. They had come off of an extremely fast-paced boat trip from Troas to Samothrace, which typically took four days because of weather. But the Bible says that they got there in one day. Talking about putting the pedal to the metal. I mean, they were, they were putting the hammer down. They were like, no bathroom breaks. <laughs> you got to hold it. We got to make, we got we to get there. And they did in one day. Because God had opened a door for them. God had opened a door to make their way straight. And when they got there, they knew that they were there because of the Lord. But they didn't know what was next. And guess what they did? They just waited. And when God is moving you to something new this year, he's going to make your path straight because it's in his will for his purposes. But many times that'll happen in segments, separated in times of pauses and prayer. You go, go, go. Okay, I'm here, Lord. What now? Pray, serve, bloom where you're planted until the next turn. I want you to know, until the next turn, you serve Him faithfully. Serve Him faithfully where you're planted. Look for the on-ramp to something new that is ready to merge your life into. And see, when we surrender our will to Him, it's not enough just to know where God wants us to work. We, we have to know when, and we have to know how He wants us to work. This is on your notes. This is how that happens. Carving time out with Jesus will maximize your time for Jesus. Sometimes you just have to pause. You know God's called you there. Serve him right there. Patiently. Through prayer. And margin. Don't get so wound tight. And see what happens. And that happens when you allow God's word and your service to work slowly and meticulously in your heart. While you worship in your current place that God has put you. God has put you here. Tamoon, I don't know, I don't know what God's going to use you to do, but He's put you here. You know it. So I want you to serve and I want you to re- get ready to merge. Serve and merge. That's not on here, but you ought to write that down. That's good. Serve and merge. Don't jump ship. Don't ride in the ditch. Just merge, 
stay in the slow lane and be faithful. And I believe the reason that Christians are stuck in a rut is because so many lack perseverance in their faith to serve and merge. This is on your notes too. God's guidance comes gradually and unpredictably. Gradually and unpredictably. So just serve him today. See what happens tomorrow. That's what Lydia was doing. See, the Jewish population in Philippi, it must have been small. Think about it, because Paul, there, there was no synagogue, there was no church. So Paul, but Paul, that didn't stop Paul. He's like, hey, there's, there, I know there are believers here. So if there are believers here, they've got to be meeting together. Hello? There's no church there, but we know that there are believers in that area, so they've got to be meeting together. We've got to find them. So they went out to the river, and they found some women there that were that were praying outside the city. And they, they found Lydia. She was a successful businesswoman from Thyatira, which is kind of over there by Derby and Lystra and Iconium in, in Galatia. So she's away from home. Not her homeland. But that city in Thyatira was known for its purple fabric. They didn't have a Hobby Lobby back then. So if you were a dealer in, in uh, dark fabrics... That was a lucrative business. You had some money. And so she probably was in charge of a branch office in Philippi. She was on mission. But think about this. God brought her all the way to Greece. God brought her all the way to Greece. All the way to Macedonia from Galatia. So he could put her right there by that river. Where she could be right in the path when Paul merged his will. And she heard the gospel because she made herself available. Hey, in 2021, make yourself available. Be all in. Ten weeks, we're going to dig in. Be the one in 21. Be the one that's a bringer. Bring somebody with you. The Bible says she was a Gentile, but not a full Jewish convert, but she openly worshipped with the Jews. She knew it. She knew God was there. She just didn't have the full view. And then Paul showed up. She was seeking the truth. She was on the lookout for the native tongue of her longing heart. She knew it was there. She knew there was truth. She could taste it. She just couldn't quite get the full picture. It was there that the gospel, the word of Jesus, spoke her love language and her heart was brought to life. Amen? She's saved right there. She's redeemed right there. What she had been looking for by the river's edge had been found in the one, the Bible says, is like living water. Paul went to the river and he found some ladies doing stuff. Praying, looking, seeking. Shared salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone. And God saved her. See, in that moment, she believed in her heart and she confessed with her mouth Jesus as Lord. And she was saved, Romans 10.9. See, in that moment, she made an exchange. See, on the cross, Jesus, God treated Jesus like he had lived our life. But because of the cross, now God treats us like we live Jesus' life. That's the exchange. That's what she experienced right there. And what we have to realize is Lydia's part in her conversion was not entirely passive. She, was, she, was a, she participated. She was attentive to the word. And it was the word that reconciled the bankrupt account of the sinner to the Savior. That's it. And so to be the one in 21 who starts something new, it has to flow. It has to flow with your will and in your heart. With your will, in your heart, number three, through your home. Be the one in 2021 that starts something new. With your will, in your heart, and through your home. In your will, in your heart, through your home. With your will, in your heart, through your home. It's got a ring to it. See, home is a personal place. Amen? I like being at home. 
Billy Graham says that nothing can bring a real sense of security into the home except true love. T.S. Eliot said home is where one starts from. Pastor Dom says home is where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. Home is the mirror to the heart of man. See, if you can't pull it off at home, there's a really good chance that what you're doing away from the house isn't authentic. Write this down. Home is where what you are is most clearly seen. That can't be an old me moment. That's one of those toe stompers that I told you that I was committed to. Home is where what you are is most clearly seen. A dad asked his daughter when they got home from church what she learned. She's like, we learned about respecting our parents, honoring our parents. He's like, that's great. What, you know, tell me exactly what you learned. She's like, daddy, we we learned to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. We we, we promised to to say no, sir, and and no, ma'am. He's like, really, that's great. Is that true? She's like, "Uh uh-huh. See, Home is where what you are is most clearly seen. Let's look at verse 15 as we wrap it up. It's getting good. After she and her household were baptized, there's, there, there's an urgency there, isn't there? She believed. She was baptized. She went home. She urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. See, after Lydia's conversation, and based on her confession of faith, she's baptized, and she brought her household with her, which probably included her servants. Lydia not only shared her faith with her household and led by example, but she, this is, this is key, she shared her home as evidence of her faith. Like she wanted to prove it right then. She wanted to she wanted to prove that she had been raised to walk in newness of life, born again. She wanted to prove it. So she's like, "Please let me prove it. Thank you. Come to my house and stay with me." Remember, there was no church, right? What happened was Lydia started church in her house. It was a home church. The first church in Europe was started in Lydia's home. As evidence, what happened to her was real because the change Christ had made in her life immediately manifested itself in fruit. And it started in her home first. Remember, to start something new in 2021, it comes with your will, in your heart, through what? Through your home. Through your home. When something great happens in your life or or career or big news, who do you call first? You call home. Christmas, what do you think about? Home. You see some athlete on TV that just made this amazing play and he gets behind the camera. What's the first thing he says? Hey, mom. Come on, seriously? How about your agent? No, I'm kidding. Hey, mom. Why? Because when great things happen, your heart goes home because home is where you are who you are is most clearly seen and it's because it's at your home your roots develop and produce hey church is fun Sundays at 10 is fun small group at 6 30 good time we have an events coming up with men we have other things going on we have a lot of exciting things in 2021 here but they do not compare to the excitement that God wants to make in your own home because home is where who you really are is most clearly seen. Home is the sticky and the glue. Amen? And so, Lydia was serious about making Jesus known. Lydia was being the one who started something new with her will in her heart and through her home. And the apostles, they affirmed that her heart had been rescued. They believed it. And they gave in to her persuasion 
and they went to her house. They spent time with her, and history was changed. So be the one in 2021 that starts something new with your will, in your heart, through your home, so history can be changed to a thousand generations. Amen? And so the challenge for us as we enter a time of invitation is you need to start something new. Some of you guys have been holding on to something that needs to be put aside because God is about a new work in your life and He is calling you to do something new. It may be surrendering your life to Christ in 2021. You may be holding on. You may be holding on for hell. Why? Jesus set you free. Lay that sin down. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be baptized. I don't know if you hear it, but the water's still running. You hear it's still warming. God put on my heart this week that there may be somebody that wants to make such a surrender in 2021 that you need to be baptized right now. You have not been baptized. And you want to kick off the year right. I want you to know it's different. Get used to different. That's what Jesus said. It may be different, but if you want to be baptized this morning, I'll put my wet clothes back. Hey, I'll baptize you in this. I'm serious. Look at me. This is my serious face right now. I'm serious. Wouldn't that be special, church family? For someone to sell out and get baptized instantly. Instantaneous baptism. Listen, we've got dry shirt. We've got towels. We have everything you need. But more than that, we have the truth. And the truth wants to set you free. So if you feel this tug right now that's saying, hey, I think he's talking to me. I need to be baptized. You come up here. We'll make arrangements and we'll get it done. And you can move on in 2021 knowing that you've put that stake in the sand. Woo! You might be wondering, what in the world am I going to do with my church membership? This isn't a membership. This is not a country club. This is a partnership. If you want to partner with us in ministry, this is the morning to kick it off. I would love to start, be, start this year as your pastor with people making decisions for Jesus. Stop playing games. Merge what God is doing. Get on board with him and let's get going. Amen. Come on. So as our praise team comes, you guys stand to your feet. We're going to let the Spirit of God move in here. He's already here. He's already been working. Respond to it. Do something. We're family here. We love you guys. And if God is calling you to step out, do it. Have the courage of your conviction to do something in 2021. Be the one in 2021 that starts something new through your will, in your heart, through your home. For his glory that changes history let's pray God you are faithful you are true there is power in the name of Jesus so God as we have read and we have unpacked and we have delved into your word this morning God help that word to penetrate as your word says to the deepest parts of our being to our marrow of our core that we would leave here knowing that we have met with you God, you have ordained this moment. God, you're beyond time and space. You created it. Which means when everything began, you also were here in this moment. Waiting for someone to do something new for you. So God, I pray this morning that you would show up. You would show out. You would allow us to be equipped for your good purposes. God, you're so good to us. God, you're faithful. Why are you, why are you faithful, Lord, to us? You should afflict us off the timeline of humanity so long ago. God, but you loved us and you demonstrated your love in this way. That while we were sinners, you sent your son to die for us. and Pay our ransom, Lord, so we can walk in newness of life. God, so help us in the next few minutes to make you famous, that we may be an audience of one. Shake us up so we can pour out our lives on other people. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this platform. God, I pray, Lord, that you would hold me in the palm of your hand, Lord. You never let go of me, Lord. 
God, hold me close and clean, Lord. Give me strength to lead, passion to preach, Lord, and humility just to pour my alabaster box at your feet. Wash your feet with my tears, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're expecting you to show up. We're expecting you to do a miracle this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.